a topic called uh, dream culture. So I don't know if any of you have heard of dream culture. Do you want to wave if you know what that is or you've experienced that? It's essentially it's a program to connect us to the reality of Ephesians 2.10 that we are God's poem, we are God's workmanship, each person is unique and we're on the planet to do things that God's prepared in advance for us to do. And the question for many of us is, how do I actually connect with how he's made me, the uniqueness of what he's put in me, the, how do I actually uni- connect with that purpose and destiny that he's prepared in advance? Um, I came across the whole thing of dream culture in, I think it was 2012. I went to a conference with Danny Silk and... Uh, and Chris Valentin, and Danny Silk said this, he said, I'm, I'm going to show you on the screen my list of dreams. And I don't know what you would think if someone said, I'm a, a famous Christian minister is going to put their list of dreams up. I thought the, they would all be amazing spiritual dreams. And then they came up and it said, NASCAR racing. <laughs> to shoot a stag. <laughs> to spend one night in the White House. And just to see that list of dreams blew my mind away because I, I realised that as a person I'd got into this narrow, narrow box of what I could expect, what I could dream about, what was legitimate to spend your time and energy pondering and thinking about. And I thought, you know what, I've disconnected in many ways from the reality that actually God loves all that I am and, and doesn't just have what I would call spiritual dreams. And so we came across a lady called Joy Barron who does dream coaching in Bedford. And dream coaching essentially is spend some time with God, write a hundred dreams down, ask the Holy Spirit which ones to go for now. And some of them are not about you going for them now. It's about you writing them down and God looking over your shoulder and doing the whole Habakkuk thing. Write it down that others can see it clearly and run with it. And actually God looks at what you write down and thinks, oh, that's what he loves, that's what he likes, that's what he enjoys. That's good. So one of the dreams I put down was this incredible world-changing dream that I knew would impact all the world and the nations, which was to see Jaws again at the cinema. So, uh, <laughs> so I wrote it down. It hadn't been released in the UK on the cinema for 30 years. And so I wrote it down. It's in my top five, actually, along with other dreams... By the May, Universal Studios had decided to re-release Jaws for the first time in the, U- in the UK as part of their celebration of 100 years of filmmaking. And one of only five films that they were re-releasing. So I saw it in the, in, in, in a, on a poster in London for, wow! And I went, as you do, on community sites in America, and they were saying in America, we don't understand, it's not being re-released in America, it's only in Europe. And uh, I kind of had my own Danny Silk moment, yeah. You're welcome. This is, your, this, is, this is about me. Yeah, he's released it just for me. And I went to the cinema. It fitted in a perfect time before another meeting, and myself and two others <laughs> enjoyed watching Jules all over again. And we've just finished, or we're about to finish in the next week, something we're calling Dream Culture Commute Edition, which is essentially helping people connect with their dreams through text messages and through email and video, and we're just finishing that. And I asked God, I thought, you know, this is really interesting, this seems a little indulgent, God. 
you know, what's all this about? You know, even though I really love the whole thing of dreaming, you think that the, the world needs the gospel, people are, people are perishing, people are going to hell, people need good news, and I'm just facilitating people connecting with a whole load of dreams. And I think God said to me that in a, in a normal, healthy family, you don't run a program for children to dream, do you? You don't, you, they don't get to five years old and say, like to our girls, Clements and Fleur, we're now doing dream culture because I want you to learn how to connect with your passions and your interests and the things you want for your birthday and the things you want to become and the things you want to do. You, we don't have to sit them down to do that. That's every dinner time we hear about what they want for their birthday. And they want to build a bed for their birthday and they want to go to this restaurant, taste this food. We want to travel there. We want to do this. I want to become this. I want to become that. And, and all the time you're listening to what they want to do. Clement's for years talked about, I want a violin, I want to play the violin. And Rochelle searched and researched the violin. And Fleur's now saying, I want a bike. And so you begin to research for her birthday to want a bike. And there's no course for that. They didn't have to receive a weekly email and a video for that. <laughs> or a regular text message to remind them to dream. That's just normal being a kid in a family. That's just normal life. And I love what Bill Johnson says when he says, we were orphans living on an orphan planet. And orphan hearts just live to self-protect. They live for survival. They live for vindication. They live for what's possible on their own, what they can do on their own, what they can produce on their own. And then orphans get saved and become part of a household of God and then still carry on living as orphans. So for me, dream culture is intensive care for the orphan heart. It's, it's, we've got a problem, we're living as orphans, it's a sickness, you need intensive care. In an ideal world where, 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 where people hadn't experienced being an orphan away from a really, really good father who loves them, they wouldn't need it. But there's something about us that comes home to a really good father, runs home like the prodigal, sees him embrace us, sees him put the cloak on us, sees him put the, the robe, the ring and the sandals, and we can't quite believe it. And we need things to jolt us and to connect us. And that's what dream culture really is all about. So I want to read you some verses from, from the book of Romans, Romans 8, um, from this Passion Translation, which is, which is so great. Just to, and then just to unpack very, very briefly what this is all about. In Romans 8, 14 or 15, and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And since we're his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, 
provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. Amazing, amazing translation. As I've been thinking about this journey of dreaming with God, of dream culture, it, it strikes me again and again that how beautiful and wonderfully relational God is. How he is so tender and gracious and kind. And how he just loves spending time with us where he talks about his heart, his dreams, his longings, and we get to talk to him about ours. And in these times with God, he whispers to us things like, what do you love? What do you find beautiful? What makes your heart beat faster? What do you love? What do you, son, daughter, find beautiful? What makes your heart beat faster? And in that tender moment, we say to the Father, beloved Father, what do you love? (laughs) What do you find beautiful? What makes your heart beat faster? And there's this beautiful, intimate connection and exchange with a wonderful, wonderful God in those moments. It's not the exchange of, God, tell me your orders. Give me some orders. Just tell me what to do. It's one of the uh, aspects of the orphan heart. The orphan is terrified of making mistakes. The The orphan is terrified of not being backed up. The orphan is terrified that somehow God will not release resources and protection and care. So for the orphan, the biggest thing is I've got to be right and I've got to know that you're in it. But actually... Adoption brings us in as real children to a wonderful father where we get to be released from religious duty. So often the, the church looks mono and bland and rigid because everybody just wants to know what the religious duty is. What is it that's acceptable for a believer to dream and imagine and think? And, and dreaming with God, intimacy with God, brings us into the place of God, what is it you've placed in me that the world has never seen? What is it you've placed in my heart that's unique? How am I going to display your glory in a way that the world has never ever seen? Because I'm alive right now and there's never been a me on the planet. And there's never been a moment where God, your manifest and manifold wisdom can be displayed to principalities and powers like it can right now because I'm on the planet. And God is looking for that exchange, those moments of intimacy. And when we discover what it is, what it is he's placed, I'm talking maybe here about those things, those things we find beautiful, those things we want to see on the earth, those things we want to see breakthrough on, those things we want to see transformation in. It's at that moment we have to say that God says, it's not something I want you to do for me. You know, sometimes we, we, we find that thing and then we think we've got to do this for God. I've got to make this happen for you, God. It, it reminds me of a picture of a cat that brings a mouse to the owner. <laughs> Have you seen that? The cat somehow wants to present the owner a mouse as if the owner really wants a mouse or needs a mouse. <laughs> And sometimes we're like that with God. We come and we want our instructions, and sometimes even out of intimacy, or we can get a prophetic word, 
And then we can think, right, I'm going to help you. I'm going to do this for you, God. I'm going to show you my passion and my devotion and my love for you. And I'm going to produce this for you. I remember reading a quote by John Wimber that absolutely blew me away. Where Jesus comes to John Wimber and says, since you can do nothing, how much help do you need? And then John Wimber said he went away for five years trying to still produce something. So we heard again, since you can do nothing, how much help do you need? I'm not looking for you to do the kingdom for me. I'm looking to do the kingdom in you and through you. I'm not looking for you to produce goodness for me. I'm looking to produce goodness in you. And there's something that happens in the place of intimacy and connection with God where he's actually producing in us the very things that we now love, the very things our new nature loves. And we're not doing it for him, he's doing it in us. And so the starting point with this dream is, it's not about who I am and what I carry and what I'm going to do, it's about who you are, God, about your faithfulness and your goodness and your capacity to do the impossible. That's our starting point. It's not me doing it for you. Like Abraham and Sarah says in some translations, they were incapable of producing the promise. And I think there's something wonderful and restful and peaceful about saying, God, I'm actually incapable of doing this. I'm actually incapable of bearing any real fruit. I can do nothing. And I I wonder sometimes that we, we have to come to that place of just in this dreaming where I just can't do it. But I know who you are, and I know what you're like. And I think he's loved, he loves process. I think that's why God loves the journey, he loves the process, because all the time he's wooing us to trust him, he's wooing us to rest in him, he's wooing us to believe in him. That's why things are steady progress, that's why there's sometimes mystery, and there's puzzling moments, and there's perplexity, because I think he, he loves the process of connecting with him and walking with him and trusting in him. So he wants us to get to know him through the steady process. Because the thing that you need right now for your, maybe it's your family or your ministry or your local church, at the moment it's going to be invisible. You don't have it. The, the thing that you need right now to take your church or your charity, or your business, or your life, or your family, or your marriage to the next level in God, and what you're dreaming of, is invisible at the moment, you don't have it. And I think that's why the process is so beautiful, because it just draws us to Him. I want to come back to you, God. I recognise you're a good, good Father. I recognise my need of you. I recognise that we, you want to do this with me. You want to do this in partnership together. This is not something I'm going to do for you. And finally, he wants us to enjoy every moment with him. This whole feeling of success is not a destination, it's who you are already. Because I I think that's the danger with dreaming and dreams and goals and vision, is we can think, if I achieve it and I get it and have it, on that day, I will be, I'll, I'll be successful, I'll be vindicated. I'll be valuable. But it's actually in Christ, I'm already a success. I'm already valued. It's interesting, someone did a survey of millionaires who had made millions and lost millions. 
And they asked them, how did you go from making a million to millions and then losing it and making it again and making it again? And they said, this is, it wasn't when we became a millionaire that we believed we were rich. We, were, we believed we were rich and capable and entrepreneurial before we got the money. That's why we could lose it, win it, do it all over again. And I think that's, for us as Christians, it's to know who we are already. We are already those who are world changers. We're already those who are community impacting transformers before we've even seen it. We, we already are. We're already the head, not the tail. We already are before we see it. We're already good news before the, the world realises we're good news. That's who we are. And we're, we're, we're a success before we, all, we are a success. Someone said this, pretty much anything you worship will eat you alive and make you its slave. And I just want to say that, that in this thing of dream culture, we don't want to worship the dream. We don't want to worship the vision. Because it has all the capacity to devour us and eat us alive and make us its slave. The only dream and beautiful destination that will never do that is the dream, I want to know you more. I want to press in to know you more. I want to know who I already am. Someone once said, when you become a Christian, it's like all your Christmas mornings all at once. And you've got all the presents under the tree. And then the rest of your life is unwrapping them one by one by one and enjoying them. I, I want to I have Christmas morning every morning. I want to know him more. I don't want our identity found in this dream coming about and this dream being realised. Because actually Jesus really is the tree of life. It says, a hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream realised is the tree of life. Actually he is the tree of life. Uh, the hope realised can be encountering him every day of the week. So whether the dream takes five minutes, five weeks, five months, five years, as long as we're with him, it really, really doesn't matter. We had this interesting thing a year ago. We dropped the girls off in France and we were driving back and the M25 was absolutely crazy. It took two and a bit hours to do, I think it was less than a mile, it was half a mile. And I remember we were laughing and joking and it was fun because our, our girls, they, they talk a lot. So we, we hadn't actually spoken to one another <laughs> without interruption, it felt like for almost a year. So being in the car together <laughs> in this traffic jam was, was light relief. It didn't really matter how fast we were going, how slow we were going. We knew we would get there in the end. We're getting there, we're on the move. Maybe it was the unplanned pace, but it was okay. And I just feel that with God, that's where he wants us to be. Whether it's the unplanned place or the unplanned pace, it's not as fast as we'd like. As long as I'm in it with you, God. As long as I'm connected with you, God. As long as you're in the car, Jesus, driving, and I get to sit with you, that's, that's, that's enough for me. Because I want to be with you. And I think dream culture just connects you to this intensive care journey where he can say to you, what you love, what you find beautiful, what makes your heart beat faster. Let's walk in this together. Let's go on a process together. There'll be moments where it's puzzling. There'll be moments where you're perplexed. There'll be moments of breakthrough and speed. But the thing on my heart that he would say to you is, I want to go with you. Hanging out with you is one of my favourite things that God would say to all of us. He's going to pray for us. Yeah, Jesus, we, we thank you, God, for this incredible, amazing, wonderful relationship you've brought us into. Thank you so much, Father, that you are so relational. Thank you that you just love being with us so much. 
that you just love us hanging out with you and being with you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, even right now, for fresh revelation of the goodness of the Father. And I pray for, even even this morning, a fresh going into a secret place with the Father to hang out, where you're going to have that exchange with God. I do pray for that in the name of Jesus. Just even feel right now that God would just come to any dry areas of your heart right now. And the Holy Spirit is just going to come and he's just going to water in your heart right now. Dry areas where your relationship has become, you feel it's duty. You're a good worker. You know what to do. But you just feel, actually, where's the intimacy? Where's the heart connection? Where's the fun God? And the Holy Spirit is just coming right now and just saying, you come right in. Grab it right now. This doesn't have to be a long process. Just come right in. You're in union with Christ. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. The, the, the distance is in your mind and in your thinking. <laughs> You're in the throne room right now. So come right in. Enjoy. So we just speak refreshment over your hearts right now. In Jesus' name. Let it bubble up right now. Refreshment of heaven right now. Come, God. Yeah, just break off frustration as well for some of you. Just felt, oh, I wanted to be faster than this, God. I wanted to see more. I'm a bit disappointed that this is not being as fast and as big as I hope by now. And God just says, let's journey it together. Yeah, give all your disappointments to Him. Disappointments to Him. Just be really honest with God. Be really real with God. I thought it would have looked like this by now, and it hasn't. Just be real and honest with Him. Yeah, bless you, God. Bless you, God. Thank you. Yeah, we just as well speak supernatural acceleration. As you lay down your identity being in your dream and in your goal and find it in sonship and daughterhood, it just positions you in the place of acceleration. It places you in the place where God says, I can really trust you with more because I know this thing won't devour you. And it won't make you a slave anymore. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Amen.